Well, good morning, church. What a good day to be together. Um, as Pastor Omar said, if you're visiting with us today, uh, we're glad that you're here. But one of the things that we're doing in the middle of November or through the month of November is reminding our church that we're part of something bigger through some of our mission and ministry partners um, here locally this month, most specifically. Uh, and as we get to, to do this, you'll actually, if you're here every week, you really will begin to see the heartbeat of our church family and just uh, the ways that we believe the Lord has called us to, to follow him. I was reading about some of the churches um, in England when the church was catching on fire and, and the group of, of churches, um, uh, church members, they intentionally moved to the dark place of town, to the dark side of town, because that was where the light would shine most obvious and evident and revival broke out because they chose to, to go and let Jesus Christ um, brighten places where no person, no man uh, could do on his own, no woman on her own. Uh, and so a few years ago, as we were just talking about the passions of our hearts, um, one of the things that Houston is known for, I was on the north side of town for about nine years. And from where I lived was, was a strip in 1960 that was one of the busiest sex trafficking places um, in all of the state uh, in Houston. And that was years ago. And since then, time has changed. And we just said, Lord, how do we get in those dark places? And so our missions team got together. Uh, and they found an incredible partner who we've now been partnering with for a while called Unbound. And I want you to hear a little bit about that ministry and what God is doing uh, through uh, one of our friends from Unbound, Amanda Bates. Amanda, would you come and join me this morning, church? Would you welcome her with me? Good morning again. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. First of all, Unbound, you guys are not, the, your office is not far from here, correct? Just right down the road. That's right. We're just uh, right down the road on uh, Pearland, is it, it's Dixie Farm and... 518. Yes, yeah, that's go. it. No. I live up in Houston, so I forget, but it's right down the street from here. That's awesome. Well, how did you get, because I know that human trafficking is not, it's, it's out there and in everyone's face. I know that it's there, and I know it's a place that the church is making and can make incredible inroads for the gospel both spiritually but also in rescuing people and so how did you get connected with this ministry yeah so um, my story is a story of addiction i uh, lived a life of addiction um, for many years and um, in that life i came across um, many victims women and girls that were being trafficked and mm. while I was never trafficked even back then when I was in addiction it affected me deeply so fast forward um, I get sober and I get saved Amen. and one of my first prayers um, was God can you use me in anti-trafficking work um, and so God said I wasn't ready then but um, fast forward a couple years later I got plugged into my first church I did their um, training school and part of that that training school was um, a project called a unique calling project and so this was a, a lot of um, diving in listening to God God what are you calling me to what is the purpose for my life yeah. and um, and trafficking uh, anti-trafficking work is um, was confirmed for me so part of that project was to interview two people currently working in the field so mm -hmm. I interviewed um, Carrie Taylor and Krista Mayfield with Unbound and uh, a year later, Carrie offered me a job. And so here I am 18 months after that sitting in front of you. Praise God. That's it. Can you encourage? That's, <laughs> that's pretty amazing how God wraps our story together. You know, it's a funny thing because I think sometimes, Amanda, we tend to think, God, you've given me a story, but you can't use that. You have to use something. You have to bring something new into the picture. But the Lord redeems all of our stories in that and so he gives us our strength then to make a difference someone literally texted me that yesterday that very thing and so in that line in that way then i mean what you've probably seen a ton of god moments but are there some that stick out to you as a reminder that we have an all-powerful god that is reaching into these places Oh, yes. So I want to share with you guys a story um, that it just happened about a week ago with one of our advocates. And it's so powerful. I want to read it directly from um, the mouth of our advocate um, because I don't want you to miss any of these beautiful pieces. So um, this is from our advocate, Courtney. 
I have been walking with this client for two years, and she's always mentioned her family being into some sort of dark spirituality. While we were having our meeting last week, she asked if I believe in things that are dark. She said her family will do things, and it causes things to happen, and it freaks her out. She doesn't like this dark spirituality that her family engages in. We were at Cece's Pizza, and she asked me, do you believe in speeches from God? And I was like, well, tell me about speeches from God. What does that mean? She said, well, like when God tells somebody to tell you something. And I said, oh, some people like to call it a prophetic word or a word from God. Is that what you mean? And she said, yeah, but it's like a bunch of words, not just one word. It's a whole speech. <laughs> the way she said that melted me. So I said, yes, I do believe in that because many times people have had a word for me that only God would have known, no mm. one else. And she said, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. A couple weeks ago, she was getting her makeup done to be in a wedding, and the makeup artist was a Christian and spoke a prophetic word over her. The client knew it was direct from God because no one else would have known. We started talking about the Bible, and she's like, wait, this stuff's in the Bible? It actually talks about it in there? So a conversation starting with talking about darkness turned into us talking about the Trinity of God, the power of light, and the power of darkness, and how the Lord gives us free will to follow either darkness or light. So I asked her, do you think your family follows the darkness or the light? She said, oh, definitely the darkness. So I said, okay, when you talk about God, do you feel like God is dark or light? And she said, light. So we talked about the power of God and how, like, when you flip on a light switch, the darkness flees. She said, the lady said that I was anointed. What does that mean? So we started talking about that, and then it just led to a whole conversation about this is exactly what God says about who he is and what he's done for the world. And that all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you have the option to believe that he's your Lord, he's your Savior, that he's the one who died on the cross for you and that you want him to be your Savior. Her, your savior. And she's like, I want that. And I was like, okay, let's pull up some scripture. <laughs> and so we sat there together in a CC's pizza, and she accepted Jesus. We're working on finding her a good church to go to in her area and she's constantly sending me sermons she's listening to on YouTube. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's yeah. awesome. That is awesome. So there you go. So CC's Pizza, God can work anywhere <laughs> as it goes into that. Oh my goodness. You know, the idea of darkness and light in, in her story is pretty potent. And to realize that we have a, a God who does that and and, and Amanda, because God is using you guys, and, and I know we get to, to partner sometimes not always as, as deeply as, as you guys get to be in the schools and in relationships and in the trenches. Um, I want you to know from us in church, if you don't know, like those victories, we get to share and rejoice in because you guys are pouring it out there and you've surrendered it all to this ministry. And so we're proud to serve alongside of, of, of you guys. Um, if if you're in there and, and human trafficking is is on my heart i don't know if it's because my oldest is a daughter or because of dark i don't know but but in that it became that way and the lord started bringing things to my eyes and and to the church family if this is a place and and ladies i'm telling you engaged in more men as prayer warriors and support and encouragement um i know amanda would love to tell you more about what god is doing through this ministry that we get to be a part of um, because God's church is, is pretty killer. It's like he designed it or something. <laughs> so Amanda, how, before we go, how can we be praying for, for you and for Unbound Ministry moving forward? Yeah, so prayer-wise, our advocates operate a 24-7 crisis hotline. Uh, when they get a crisis call in the middle of the night, they get out of bed and they are on site to meet that client within 90 minutes. Their job can be very hard at times and very emotionally draining, and they really need prayer covering. Um, and something else, um, we are looking for a um, native Spanish-speaking advocate. Mm. Um, we have many clients that only speak Spanish, and we would really like to be able to offer them um, an advocate who speaks their native language. Um, so we are praying for that, and we'd love for you to, to join us in that. Amen. Boy, both of those things... Some of you know this, but about six or eight months ago, Chrissy might know time better than I was, 
I was sitting at a restaurant in Webster, and there was a young girl by herself, alone, and, and looked afraid. And in that moment, as I'm sitting there studying, the Holy Spirit just kind of says, you need to talk to her, which I'm always a little bit strange, pro- I, talking to, to a single uh, lady in public, and sat down at the table next to her. And uh, a few minutes in, she was a runaway, and she was having some struggles. And my first call was unbound. And Unbound walked with me on what to do and how to handle it in a way that glorified the Lord and, and even sent and kind of carried through the end of it. And so it's not just some ministry that helps out there. Here in our community, uh, at least in part of my story, um, it's pretty incredible. So I know when you say your advocates are 24-7, I know I've experienced that at about 8.15 in the morning uh, on a weekday. That's beautiful, and that was perfect. That's exactly what you should do if you come across someone like that. Um, our, you can find our crisis hotline on our website, unboundhouston.org. Um, the phone number will pop up right there at the very top of the page. So if you come across a situation like that, please do call our, cross, our crisis hotline, and our advocates will walk you through the next right steps. Amen. Amen. Well, Amanda, if it's okay, I would like to invite Tracy, who is our missions ministry rep, Tracy Prenat, and we'd just love to pray with you as a church before we go. Would you mind? Is that okay? I would absolutely And we'll let love you sit that. down, and we'll kind of surround you if that's all right. That's in that. great. Church, if you don't know uh, Tracy, you know her from singing week in and week out, but her and Eric serve regularly, um, but God gave her a heart, and she has taken the lead and ran with it. And so let's pray together, church. Father God, Um, We love you and we praise you, Lord. Uh, You are not a God who is afraid of dark spaces, Father God, but you are the one who invades the darkness with light. And Lord, just like this advocate got to testify to in CC's, Lord, we know that there is no darkness that you cannot overcome, but in fact, God, it cannot comprehend you. And so, Father, we just lift up Amanda, we lift up all the advocates with Unbound. Lord, knowing that they are um, in places and conversations where your light needs to shine brightest um, lord where your wisdom needs to be most evident and where your strength needs to help them through uh, god we pray for every story that will come through uh, every call Lord, we pray for those yet uh, to be touched by the gospel by the rescuing hand of jesus christ uh, father god we pray right now for this spanish speaking position that needs to be filled Lord, that you would prick the heart of a believer strong in your word. Lord, that she might come alongside of this ministry. Lord, and that you might use her to once again continue to rip lives from death and let them know a new life and a new story. Thank you for Amanda for sharing with us and being with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, Would you mind if I share really quickly a volunteer opportunity? No, go ahead. That would be great. So January is uh, Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And um, to honor that, on January 21st, which is a Saturday, we're doing an outreach called Not In My City. Okay. And so we'll be meeting here at the Pearland office, and we send out teams of four to canvas the city with posters to put in bathrooms of signs of trafficking and then the crisis hotline number. So um, the goal is to get the crisis number in front of um, victims of trafficking. So we would love for you to come join. You can um, get information about that at unboundhouston.org. Scroll all the way to the bottom and sign up for our newsletter. And I'm going to send out a newsletter in January with a sign-up link. And that's the 21st of January. What day of the week is that? Saturday. On Saturday. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I repeated that so that we'll write it down and get after it. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much again, Amanda. Would y'all welcome her? You know, I'm going to pass this off as well, if that's okay. Thank you. Um, I think one of the most incredible things is that what we live for here, what we experience here, is not what we are living for. Uh, No matter ends or the outs of it. And as we've been talking these last few weeks about heaven, I don't think there could be anything better to pair it with than stories of missions and partners that God has given us around Houston and around the world. Uh, And today we're going to land that plane. We're going to finish that conversation about uh, this series on heaven. Now, if you're wondering, we're going to finish the conversation on heaven. No, 
Um, but as we get ready to transition to Christmas and those things, uh, today has been uh, a story that I have been waiting uh, to tell. And in fact, I was sitting in my office on Monday of this week preparing the sermon, and I was writing out the first question, some other things. Um, and, and after about, I don't know, a few hours of work, I just crumpled it all up and threw it away and just entered in some time of prayer and allowed the Lord to get my attention. And what's interesting is I was visiting someone in the hospital this very week. Um, and as we were, were talking about what was going on, I said, you won't be at church this week. I know that, but let me talk to you about the glory and the joy of the reward that we have in heaven. You see, the, the, a lot of times we, we want to ask a question. I told you every week in this series we would talk, start with a question, and that is, what rewards will wait for me in heaven? And as I started to answer that question, I started to write out the whole sermon and I threw it away because I started to write down, I think that's the wrong question. I, I think that might get us out of the way. And, and you'll laugh at me because part of my, my story this week visiting the hospital, I said, have you ever heard of the book of Pilgrim's Progress? And the wife said, Pastor, everyone in our church has. It's your favorite book. You remind us often. <laughs> I said, you're welcome. You're so welcome. <laughs> and, and as we started to do that, I remembered a part of the story of this allegory where Christian and Pliable, this man named Pliable, start off. And Pliable is really concerned about all the things in heaven that will await for him, but his, his eyes are captivated by the right thing. And so when Christian and Pliable get into their first mess in the story, when they get into their first difficulty, Pliable says the road is too hard and he turns around and he goes back to the town or the city of destruction. And, and here's why that story is important, in my opinion. It's because if our motivation is messed up, you and I are not only not on our trail to heaven, you will find yourself abandoning Christ at moments. As I started thinking about those thoughts, I texted our staff. Like what, what should drive us to heaven and what drives world religions? What are they living for that, that make up a story? And, and there's a religion, and I, and I really did. And it's appropriate for this day even. There's, there's a religion where men, the, the picture of heaven is really bright in Islam. And if you look through the Quran and it talks about the blessings that they believe their religion leads you to, um, it's pretty man-centric. All the things that are sin now won't be sin then. They'll be blessed. It's, it's my short version. And men, you basically, if you're faithful, you, you get to practice polygamy with virgins and yada, yada. And then I read an author and what he wrote about for women. And this is what the author said. This is someone convincing of it. He said, uh, some people will tend to say, what about women? He said, well, actually, the Quran makes no distinction between rewards between women, women, men and women. They, they shall not be dealt with unjustly. The main reason of this hori, which is this harem, is because in most cases, men pursue women and not vice versa. My first thought was, mm, ladies, if you had bigger goals, your heaven would be better. As for women who are married in this life, Islam believes that their God will grant them some kind of beauty with which they will feel they are better than all the other women in their husband's harem. So they won't love anyone other than their own husband, and they won't feel jealous of all the other women. Christy was like, I'm out. <laughs> But why I tell you that is, when we find heaven as a man-made construct, all it will try to do is purify sin. Like, that's what it really lives for, is, is, is it tries to do what only Christ has done. It tries to make holy something that wasn't. And Christ doesn't make sin holy. Christ cleanses us from sin and brings holiness in. He makes holiness like us. A sin-centric view of eternity asks the question, no, but what's in it for me? 
What will I get? What size will my house be? What type of job will I have? All, it starts to ask all of these things. And when we notice a man-centric, a sin-centric, an untrue view, description of a real place, it actually is easy to see. And what I want to let you know is, I think in a lot of Christian churches uh, around America, a lot of conversations we have, that we have unintentionally started sliding down this slope of making heaven more sin-centric and less of what it really is, which is not a real thing. Here's what I wrote down and I was journaling this week. Consider this. Consider your motivation. If you want Jesus so that you can have stuff in heaven, then you're really worshiping greed. Right? If, if I can't wait to get to heaven because I'm not going to be poor, I'm going to have stuff, I'm going to have a lot of stuff, it's going to be great stuff. If that's your motivation, then it's really just greed washed and scrubbed with Jesus. If, if what motivates me for heaven is simply people, like when I'm thinking of all the reasons I want to go to heaven, if, if all I think of is names, and that's what I can't wait for most, I thought, I think that's idolatry. As I started to think about position, if the thing you want most about heaven is to know about your kingdom and your nation and, and your castle and your stuff, isn't that really pride? I started to think about creation. If, I, if I'm just excited to see what it's going to be like, I think that's paganism. And if what I'm longing for most is self-centeredness, all the sins or stuff or harems or whatever, if it's all painted by me, well, that's hedonism. And, and, and here's what I want you to know in that. I do believe in heaven that there are treasuries that we will get to have our eyes laid on. I do believe that God has people there that we will love to see. I can't wait to hug my father. I do believe scripture's clear that we will have responsibilities and positions in heaven. I do believe that creation is, is gonna blow our mind made new. And I think I'm gonna be fuller than I could ever dream, think, or imagine. But none of those things can be my driver. None of those things, if none of those things were what I want them to be, then what is heaven really about? It's got to be about Jesus. And, and not just Jesus scrubbed. I mean, I don't know about you guys. If you need to buy some China cheap, Christy and I'll make you a deal later on. But we got all this China for a wedding present. Any of y'all get China when you were getting married? I did. It was so good. Don't do that to people anymore. But back then, it was great. We have a china cabinet. We open it to pull out tablecloths. But our first Thanksgiving, we had a Friendsgiving, you know, because all of our friends were in town, and all of us were going to scatter, and we had everybody over. And, and the girls were, were trying to cook, and the guys were trying to cook, and we were all bad. But we brought off that fancy china. Okay, we, we were most excited about the people and the china because even if the food was not good, it was really good. It was really good. <laughs> At least it would look pretty. At least we could act like adults. Y'all follow me there a little bit? When you and I talk about Jesus, but our heart longs for all these other things in front of him, this is what we're doing. What we're really saying is, oh, I can't wait to heaven, to get to heaven. And, and I talk about all these things. Jesus, oh yeah, no, Jesus is like the china plates. He makes it all look prettier. He makes the fork, the forks and the knives make it stand out. Have you ever gone over to a friend's house for dinner thing? 
oh, I wonder if you're using paper, plastic, or china tonight. Have you ever had that thought? Like, oh, I, I love going to the mill's house because they have the best plates. They don't use styrofoam. It's so nice. Literally, does anyone get excited thinking about the plates that you're going to serve the food on? If Jesus is a part of the conversation, but he's not the main course, then what you may end up being is giving lip service to heaven because you're just treating him like the plate that makes all the things you really want look good. And we have to be very careful because, church, that leads us into some tricky waters. Here's what Jesus says in the middle of it. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, sorry, I didn't tell you where to turn today. We'll be a lot of places. Revelation 22 is kind of our camping verse today. Revelation 22, verse 12. But let me read you out of Matthew chapter 6. It says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, and he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, here's the funny thing. What we want to go is, No, God, well, everything you say is true and right and good, but I can do it. Look, I can love you and my dreams exactly the same. Look at me. Jesus, you're my everything. I just long for my family more. Jesus, you're, you're my aha. But I'm just waiting for the aha in life to prove to me that you're my aha. You see, what Jesus says is something has to be primary. Someone has to be primary. And you either love me or you hate me. Because if I am not number one, then I am telling you, you hate me. Now, I want you to chew on that for just a second. This is the words of Christ, not the words of me. You're saying, if I am not first, if you are not serving me, if you think you're serving me and anything else... I am telling you, you hate me. And when you put me as primary over all the rest, what you're saying is, in comparison to you, Jesus, I hate this stuff. You're my everything. You're my all in all. When it comes to heaven, Jesus is our full reward. And when you think about heaven, be careful not to find yourself following a a road that leads to somewhere other than Jesus and just treats, treats Jesus as direction signs. Now entering heaven, wave at Jesus. Look in your Bible, Revelation chapter 22, verse 12 through 14. The Bible speaks these words. <clears throat> Behold, I am coming soon and bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by its gates. I started to think about that as I looked up the word reward this week. Repay is really a great word for it. And the word repay shown in Scripture over most often is talked about as fruit, the produce of their fruit. Uh, the, a vine attached to the Lord will produce much fruit. The, skeeds, the seed scattered produced a great harvest. This idea of fruit produced out of life. Now, now this is tricky because what we want to do is we want to let the wrong idea of rewards shape us. But today what I want to do is I want to help you and I look at what reward looks like in Scripture so that we can anticipate heaven and that will change our lives. Because God is not up in heaven saying, well, David, you only put a buck 50 up here. You see, what Jesus says is, a good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. So when we think about heaven, what I want to be careful is, is walking into this idea that those who have a greater opportunity would bear fruit will experience or have a different heaven than someone else. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. 
Jesus tells his disciples, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Church, first of all, here's what I want you to think of when you think about your treasure. When we store up treasures in heaven, we are adding them to God's depositories not into a savings account for us later on. I want you to catch that. When you and I lay up treasures in heaven, what we are saying is, Lord, all that I have are in your hands. You are putting treasures in the hand. It's an act of worship. It's glorifying him. You are not putting it in a savings account for you to experience later on. Why? Because that's greed. That's selfishness. Worshiping God is our, is our fullness, is our wholeness. And so when you lay up treasures in heaven, either you're putting them into his hands or you're keeping them in yours. And I think a lot of us cling to fading glory because we do the God speak, but our hands betray us. As my children, we are about eight months away from being empty nesters. My daughter graduates college in like a year and a half. Boys are entering to life. Plans are happening. If my children are my treasure, I will try to hold on to them so their glory doesn't fade from my life. But if my children are God's treasures, then the Lord will make fruitful today that will never stop blooming tomorrow. You see, when we talk about giving, we often talk about finances, which we should. It's often a reflection of where our heart is. But, but if you start looking at my life, and I look at what I'm doing with what I have, people, finances, position, what do they reflect do they reflect that I belong to the king of kings? Or do I just speak that with my mouth? Here's where I think scripture leads to. Either we are his or we are not. Either we bear fruit or we do not. Either we are laying up our treasures in heaven or we are not. And it's not to put a savings plan away. I have a great friend of mine who no longer says it, but early on in his face just said, I just want to get in even if I smell a little bit like smoke. I just want to make it in. The church, listen to me. If God is not it, the God, if your treasures of people aren't submitted to him before you touch them, if the treasures of your finances aren't submitted to him before you touch them, if the treasures of your submissions aren't submitted to him before you touch them, then they are your treasures that you're just asking God to bless for his glory as he meets your needs and demands. And you wonder why the fruit of your life tastes bitter and worn out and weary. I mean, in heaven, everything we put into him, everything we do, it will bring him the greatest glory. And so he says, start now. But God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what would happen if I put my children in your hand completely and abandon some of my thoughts and wills. I'm afraid if I put my finances into your treasuries and of what might happen because I've, I've had a hard time. I'm afraid of what would happen if I put this job or this decision in your life. And God says, no, I totally get it. You aren't worshiping me. Don't fear. Bring me glory by putting treasures in heaven where they are secure instead of keeping them in your weak hands where moth and rust and thieves steal, break, and destroy. So when we put treasures into heaven, we're putting them into his depositories, not our own bank accounts. And, and there's a reason for that because when we go to heaven, we're experiencing his country. Now, this is what I love. 
as we do that. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 17. This is what the Bible says. It says, The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. And if heirs, then fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And now Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. From it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Listen to the potency of those passages. Romans 18. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If we're his children, then we're his heirs. And then we're fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. Philippians 3.21, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. On the other side of that Savior is transformation. Our lowly bodies will be made glorious. The power that enables him to subject all things to himself, they'll do these things. See, what Scripture says in, in this part is we are citizens, we are heirs, because and through and with Jesus Christ. If heaven could be awesome if you only visited Jesus on Sundays, then that is a problem. Because Jesus and being with him is our reward. And everything that you and I will experience in heaven is because of that. It's because of him. It's because of that relationship with him. And so all of a sudden, we start to get this picture of it's being his country that we're going into. And it's become ours because of him. But if you're excited to go to the king's country and you're not excited about the king, then there's an issue because you might start thinking the country was yours. And it's only yours because of the king. Our reward isn't the grass and the land and the trees, which will all be made new and it'll be beautiful. But they're that way because it's the king's country. And when you and I act as stewards of citizenship of heaven in this creation and in this life, what we are doing is we're just saying, God, I am so captivated by what your country, by what your land looks like, about being with you in your land. I just want to build. I want to practice. I just want to get to know you more better today and live it out here. But if your idea is, I really don't care what happens to this country, to this land, to this ground, to these people, because it's, it's not my home anyway, and one day I'll go to a place, well, that means you would have to reject the commands of Christ that says that you are to be in the world, a light to the world, a citizen of heaven, but still here to make disciples who will be citizens of heaven. We can't abandon heaven and our thoughts of being with Christ and just put them off to one day and live life for ourselves now because why? That life bears no fruit. And when Jesus returns, he will reward you and I with what we have earned, either a fruitful life because of him or a fruitless life because we are not in him. If we walk a little bit further, Matthew chapter 20 talks to us about the different roles in heaven that we'll have and how they'll be our reward, but I don't want to miss it. Matthew chapter 20, verse 21 through 23. And Jesus says to her, this is uh, some uh, disciples are walking with Jesus. And there's an argument. And Jesus says, what are you talking about? And mama steps in because that's what mamas do. And he said, what do you want? And she said to him, these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right and one at your left in the kingdom. Now, I love how this is framed because this is honest. I don't think she was like, oh, dear Jesus, Lord and Savior of all things. I'm sorry if this is prideful in any way. But you think there's a chance, my boy? No, this sounds like a mama. Say to these two sons of mine, that they're to sit, one at your right, one at your left in your kingdom. 
you correct all these other, other boys. They've given up the most. They've stored away the most. They should have the most prideful spot. Jesus, would you correct all these other boys? Because my boys can do anything they want to. I've told them my whole life. I love Jesus' response. It's so good. <laughs> you have no idea what you're asking. <laughs> you, you don't even know what you're talking about. And then he gives some enlightenment. Go down um, to verse, uh, we'll just keep going, verse 23. He said, you'll drink from my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left hand is not mine to grant, but is for those whom it has been prepared by my Father. Church, I want you to know, you're not earning rank and file living in this life. So in heaven, you'll be a sergeant or a captain and not an E4. You know what I'm saying? You're not, you're not putting away stuff now, trying to impress God with your credentials. If I can impress God for 70-some years of my life, then one day when I'm in heaven, it's going to be great. He'll know that I'm worthy to be a general. He'll know that I'm worthy to be this. When you and I, if we practice living to impress God with our attributes, church, man, our focus is here. And Jesus says, my father will give people positions. You will have roles in heaven. You will have responsibilities in heaven. But they aren't yours to earn your way up the ladder. They're God's to give. And so let me bring it back to you. Are you living your life fully connected to the vine? Are you bearing fruit because all that you are is his? Because when he returns, he will pay you. Those who are connected are bearing fruit because their treasure is in heaven. They are living for my country, my kingdom, because I am their all in all. And everyone else, wide is the path to destruction. It's not earning levels of heaven. The reward is just, were you submitted to me fully, completely? Or was I just your tiny dish that you put your dreams on? I mean, Scripture says, church, Revelation 21, verse 14, that the apostles' names are on the foundation of the new city. God has spaces lined out for us. There's reading about the rebellion of Korah, the Levites in the desert, who told Moses, hey, all of us are holy. God, God doesn't have a special plan for you that's different than us. Moses falls on his face and worship God. He says, I'll tell you what, tomorrow morning, let's just wake up. We'll stand right here in front of God and we'll let him answer that. Moses doesn't try to defend himself. He doesn't try to act that way. He just says, it's God's decision. I don't determine who's who or what's what. In fact, many times I want to leave your sorry self somewhere else. So let's just go back to it. If we're all holy, that's up to God. And then that next morning, they get up, they have their torches burning, and they just wait on God. And you know what happens? These 250 sons of Korah who were Levites, who wanted to earn a place before God and make all it even, the ground opened up, swallowed them in, and closed back up above them. And then the people got mad because Moses killed all the sons of Korah. Church, when you and I get to heaven, we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and so whatever position he doles out will be fully incredible for us fully responsible I mean, if I have a child that's in ministry in a church and a child that is in ministry as a school teacher if I have a child who's a lawyer and in ministry if I have a child one day who's an astronaut and in ministry I am not impressed by what they do I am overwhelmed that God is letting them do ministry in unique ways and so I don't want them to spend their life, waste their life chasing a dream that seems like it's trying to earn something that only God will give out. And the joy that we experience as our reward, that's the fruit of belonging to Christ. 
the goodies that we eat, the games that we'll play, the fellowships that we'll have, the joys, the roles, I mean, all of those things that will come together, that's the fruit. That's just a benefit of being with Jesus for all eternity. We'll know them perfect and unstained. And we're going in about a week on our family Christmas Thanksgiving trip with Christy's part of the family. Uh, it's just outside of Branson, and my kids call it their happy place. So every other year we go with Christy's family uh, for our Thanksgiving Christmas to this place. And, and, and in this place, we are going to eat. We're going to do scavenger hunts. We're going to play shuffleboard. Bingo, yes, please. Some of you are like, this is a Baptist church? You sure are right it is. Bingo's awesome, right? And we're going to go on scavenger hunts. We're going to play minute, when it, we'll just do all these. I can't wait. But those things aren't what I'm most excited about. It's this reunion because I can do all of those things every day in Pearland and I don't do them. But it's the company. In heaven, the joy that you will experience is because of the company that you keep and the company that you will keep is Jesus. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23 is in the middle of the parable of the talents where a master says, I'm going away, and he gives three guys different amounts of talents to do and use for his benefit. When he comes back, he finds the first two had done so. And this is what he says to them. He says, Master said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Now check the last line. This is the part we just skim by. We love the faithful with little, faithful much. But look at the last line. Enter the joy of who? Your master. Do you know that all the joys that you will experience in heaven are tied to him it's not oh jesus is tied to them in your life right now as you are bearing up fruit as you are storing away things as you're putting your treasures in heaven are you tying jesus to your hopes for your children are you tying jesus to the hopes for your bank account are you tying jesus to the hopes of your job are you tying jesus to the way your marriage functions are you tying jesus in or are you tying yourself and those things to jesus because there's a pretty strong difference when we look at the ins and outs of scripture what we know is it's the joy of our master that will captivate us and that will be our reward in heaven. It will not be my joy that the master just made awesome. And so I can't wait to see what my eye can't see, what my ear can't hear, and what my mind can't conceive of that God has prepared for me. Church, I, I, I know it's going to be incredible. But here's the reality. If the rewards of heaven are motivating you and they are anything other than Jesus, when you and I come against difficulty in this life, you will quit. You will fall, you will fall away, and you will walk away. But if the joy of heaven, if your reward of heaven is Jesus, then when difficulty comes, it will be his strength carrying you. It will be his spirit leading you and guiding you. So what's the motivations, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, for living your life as a holy sacrifice, pleasing to God? Because any other way shows that you have another master in your life. And in Revelation 22, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, it says, I'll come again, recompense will come with me, and repayment will happen to every single person. In church, we have fallen over the beauty of heaven for the past four and a half weeks. But today I want to let you know all of that is the overflow of him and he is our longing.
It doesn't erase the joys that wait for you. It makes them sweeter. But I do believe when scripture says that narrow is the path that leads to white and wide the road to destruction, I think it's a moment where we need a heart check and say, Jesus, when I look at my children, I'm asking you to do something to them for me. And God, I need to tie them to you because I don't want to be idol worshiping because I don't want to bear that fruit. I don't want that reward. My finances, my job, my thoughts. Would you anchor me to you? Would you wrap me up? Because I want to enter the joy of my master and I want the fullness of the rewards that you have planned for me regardless of what they are. I don't have a list because all I want is you and whatever you want for me, I'm all in because the joy of my master is what I am living for. And that same joy was set before Jesus Christ and he endured the cross because of the joy of his father. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord, today as we come to you, Lord, the reality is I am excited about being with you. Like John, I could say, come, Lord Jesus, come. I can't wait for that moment. But Lord, I, I realize that until that time comes, Lord, that I want all of my treasures to be stored in heaven because there's not a splitting up of the eggs in this basket. I want you as my reward. And then anything that you would have for me, I want that because it's what you want and not anything else. But Lord God, I know that our culture makes us live storing up and thinking the deposits are ours and the bank account is mine. But my storing up is an act of worship. And when I get to heaven, Lord, I believe wholeheartedly that the glory of those overwhelming moments, those deposits, Lord, I believe that that joy will be full. But you are my experience. So Lord, today, if there's a man or woman, boy or girl in this room who's confessed that they love you, but their Lordship, Lord, they have not put you first. And they are not putting you first. Lord, would you let them turn to you right now, confess you as theirs for the first time, or let them return to their first love so that they can have the reward that will be perfected starting today. Jesus Christ, in his name, amen. Would you stand?